The Priestess and the Cauldron, a podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Well, here we are. Hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. And truthfully, it's actually a very pretty Friday. It started out cloudy and kind of, yeah, and now we've got, you know, little scudding clouds across and a wind and feels very nice. Yeah, it's beautiful out. Mm. We're very lucky. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So, since this is our live show, <laughs> I feel weird, you know? It's live. Oh, my gosh. live. Okay. So, obviously, for those that have tuned in, we've had a very interesting and fun week. We did our grad night uh, events uh, last weekend and had a lot of young, budding 18-year-olds out there that are going to hit the world with all of their enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And we were able to do readings for them. And, of course, it took all of our efforts because they just (laughs) kept lining up and kept lining up and kept lining up. Yeah. So, and then we progressed onward with our week. Yeah. And your week was like, how? Well, Miss Elvira, uh, it's been a pretty normal week, I think. Nothing too exciting. It's my first... summer break for with my daughter, mm-hmm. so I've been able to be on my own schedule and not her school schedule. Ah. It's my favorite time of the year. <laughs> I love not having to drag a cranky teenager out of bed at 6 o'clock in the morning. Oh. So that's been pretty awesome to have my my schedule back. Mm-hmm. It's short, right, because August, mm-hmm. August is when school starts again. Right. Which feels like August is tomorrow. So I know. I'm going to try and not think about that and just enjoy the moment. The moment. Uh, and we are getting so much new stuff in the shop right now. I'm, I'm stocking up for the summer because I'm going to be gone. Mm-hmm. I'm doing teachings at witch camp, so I want to make sure the store is super stocked. And so we've mm-hmm. got we have a new jewelry vendor. Ooh. I got so we we have always have a statue sale in July, so I'm getting ready now. Mm-hmm. The statue sale that's coming up in a month. Mm. Just all kinds of fun stuff. Nice. And you know, we have our own, well, you know. Yes. We have our own line of products. Yes. We uh, I make baths and incenses and um sprays mm-hmm. and odor or not odorless incense, that's silly. Smokeless incense. <laughs> <laughs> and they're each aligned with a different goddess, uh-huh. and so I just got a shipment of bottles in today, so uh-huh. I will be making product all weekend. Ooh, nice. It's fun because we chant over the mixtures and uh-huh. we sing songs to the goddess it's dedicated to to really add extra uh-huh. layers of, of magic to the formulas. Uh-huh. And when I get back from all of my witch camp teachings, we're going to release a line of uh, oils. Nice. Which will be really fun so 
Um, all of that is happening on top of all of my other business. <laughs> but that feels like normal, not like too much. Yeah. You know, because yeah. grad night weekend it's a lot of work, and it's so fun, and it's energizing and exciting, but it's also exhausting. And by the end of the weekend, I was done. Yes. So it's nice to have had this week of a little bit of extra time mm-hmm. for my own schedule, mm-hmm. a little bit of extra time for my quote-unquote regular work. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's been a nice, normal week with the intense full moonness today. Today. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We are. Are you, Elvira? Well, Gosh, the same, just not with all the oils and things. And I do have to plug the Hakate um, spray because mm-hmm. I use that a lot, and it is very good. Yeah. And it, uh, in my opinion, for what I use it for, it protects, it clears, it calls that goddess in so that I feel when I'm working, especially with clients and, you know, doing things that I need to do, it's very strong and very powerful. So Thank it's you. a plug. But it's good. Thank you. So. And protection, yeah. So that's a big one. But, you know, it's been a regular week with, you know, lots of clients in the first three days and then, you know, kind of getting put together for the show and put together for the weekend. And now I'm getting ready like you. I'm trying to get myself organized for when I'm going to be leaving for um, Arkansas to go visit my daughter for two weeks in July and so my brain is categorizing, this has to go away, this gets washed, this gets done, yeah. you know, all of yeah. those things. The packing list. The packing list, the cleaning list, the, you know, I, so it's kind of a trip because it feels good. Yeah. Because this week, as you say, with all the intensity, it feels a lot more even to be able to do it because it's very grounding. It's like if I'd had that as just a normal thing, I'd go, oh, God, I have to do this. But now I'm looking and relishing at it. So, and our subject for today is the fairy tradition. Yes, the next in our line of different witchcraft traditions. Mm-hmm. The in the fairy tradition, that's the F E R I. Yes. Or also known as the Anderson fairy tradition. Yes. Not to be confused with the myriad of other fairy, fairy traditions. traditions. Yes. Yes. And this is another tradition that has a birthplace pretty much a birthplace of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, we have a lot of fairy practitioners in this area mm-hmm. because there were many people who had access to the founders of this tradition mm-hmm. when they lived here mm-hmm. before they passed away. True. So why don't we just do like a history of okay. how these people came to this point of reference and then we can kind of move sure. on forward. Sure. All right. I have so many notes on this topic, and I just want to give a shout-out. I was telling Elvira this before we got on the air. A lot of the information that I gathered to talk about fairy, because neither of us are initiated in fairy, Mm -hmm. we wanted to make that clear. True. We are talking about fairy as, like, a scientific interest and research and and not experiential. Right. Right. Neither of us are initiated into fairy but i got a ton of information from jason mankey's blog and i've mentioned jason mankey on the show before he has a few books out there he has a blog called raise the horns he's connected to the patheost blog group Mm -hmm. but he is of all of the modern pagans that i know jason is an excellent historian Mm -hmm. he does his research He is clear and concise, and he really loves the history of Wicca and Mm -hmm. witchcraft. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a fact-finding mission to put facts out there, but it's because he's into it. Right. And I find his information to be 
great. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the what I what I have in my notes today comes from Jason Minky's research. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to give him a thank you. Well, good. good. Yes. So the history. Do you want to start or do you want me to? Oh, I will let you start because you've got a good fact finder there. Okay. <laughs> so the fairy tradition was started by Victor and Cora Anderson. Um, So we have a little bit of information on each of them. Victor was born in 1917 in New Mexico, and when he was a young child, his family moved to Bend, Oregon. And there is some interesting things about Victor and some controversial things about the fairy tradition Mm -hmm. in general Mm -hmm. that we'll talk a little bit about. But one of the things that it has been... um, Argued mm-hmm. is one. Victor said that he was uh, he received sexual initiation by an old woman or a witch at the age of nine, mm-hmm. which is very young, mm-hmm. and and doesn't feel like good magic to me. Right, right. And but this is a hot button topic, whether mm-hmm. this is true or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Valerie Boyd, who is a well-known fairy teacher, mm-hmm. has said that Victor um, often said that he was initiated into a, the, a coven called the Harpy Coven in 1932. And this was an eclectic coven where he learned a lot about Huna, Voodoo, lots of different traditions of witchcraft, mm-hmm. and we'll talk more about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in... 1944? Yep. Yes. In 1944, Victor met Cora. And Cora was two years younger than him. She was raised in the South, in Alabama. And uh, her grandfather was a root doctor, mm-hmm. which we, obviously Elvira and I have talked about being connected to hoodoo and mm-hmm. being root workers, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. here, Cora, her grandfather was Irish, right. but was considered a root doctor. And many of the locals in their little village referred to him as a druid. Right. So Cora was raised in this very sort of magical, um, practicing mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And Victor and Cora met in 1944. They met on May 1st, and they got married three days later. Right? Right. Hey. And they both said that they had met before on the astral realm, Mm -hmm. so that this was not a rush to marriage, but they had known each other for a very long time, Mm -hmm. and that they had finally met in body. Right. Um, And a year later, they had a son. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's see. He was Victor Elon. Yes. Yes. Victor Elon. Uh, and they did. A, they were very witchy. They dedicated him to the goddess mm-hmm. and all kinds of rituals with him. And in 1949, they moved to San Leandro, California, which they lived in that town until their deaths, which mm-hmm. were in 2001 and 2008. Eight. For nine? Eight. Yes. Eight. Eight. Yeah. yeah. Victor died in 2001, and Cora died in 2008. Uh-huh. Um, so in the very beginnings of their marriage, they started combining their knowledge and um early on met Gwydion Penderwin who is a well-known witchy guy mm-hmm. he wrote a ton of music a ton of chants mm-hmm. was very artistic um and he actually was a friend of their son mm-hmm. and ended up ha- kind of having a falling out with their son and then kind of connected to them right and the three of them really developed what fairy looks like now mm-hmm. sort of <laughs> and we love that sidebar. Yeah, there was all kinds of subtext in that. So it might be important to say this before we get deeper. <laughs> yes. 
the, the thing about the fairy tradition is there are many fractions mm-hmm. of fairy. There, there has been a lot of people who say, well, Victor told me this, or Victor told me this, or Victor told me this, and those stories are different. Mm-hmm. And what's happened is some people say, well, he told me this, and so that's the truth. And so there's been some splitting mm-hmm. in the fairy tradition, and there are different lineages and different sects and different groups that are kind of different. Some of them recognize the other lineages as being legitimate, and some of them don't. So fairy is tricky mm-hmm. because there is um, there is a lot of, of there's been a lot of difficulty and trouble. And Elvira, you have some of the breakdowns of I have all over the well, time. Some because I was obviously I found some really interesting information by Storm Fairy Wolf. Yes. And obviously we have, you know, what started out as the fairy tradition. And, of course, there was a point of reference here. It's F-E-R-I because of wanting to delineate it. It didn't necessarily, again, another controversial point is that it wasn't really fairy, that it was just by virtue of Victor mentioning different things, and thus it got a particular label then put on it. Right. But we had, obviously, the watchmaker, which was Gwydion Tenderwin, and then that was in the 50s and 60s. Yes. And then we kind of, and that was Celtic and some voodoo, and he was more bardic, shamanic, and, of course, some psychedelic in there. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important, right? We need to keep in mind, what was the world like in the 50s and 60s? Yeah. Right? There was a sexual revolution. There was a a drug revolution. Mm -hmm. There were people... A lot of the founders of witchcraft, of what modern witchcraft looked like, were rallying against the status quo. Right. And that's what Victor and Cora and, and Gwydion were doing. They right. were rallying against the status quo and using sex, drugs, and rock and roll to expand their <laughs> minds. And that's not – It's this is done with – understanding the backdrop of yeah. where these this was started from or where people were bringing it forward from as opposed to a criticism. Right. So, um, and then you had in the 70s, you had Elisa Harlow, and that was the Vantha, and she basically was the dark goddesses mm. and elemental journey um, work and, with you know, working with the, the the Tower family, which is, you know, obviously another side of the elements. And, um, but definitely um, not with the guardian spirits that uh, were part of the fairy tradition. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, still in the 70s, you had the compost, which started with uh, Starhawk, mm-hmm. and she started doing it with... Exactly. She was an initiate. Right. Um, but then she took many different elements and took some personal experience and then, you know, got started from published works. And she kind of branched off and she did her own thing, which she didn't necessarily say was fairy. Right. But it was the beginning of what she would put together as reclaiming. Mm-hmm. And then you had Steve Huell, Eldree Little Wolf and Gabriel Corello. Right. And that was Silver Wheel. Gabriel Corello is a very controversial person. I just want to be clear and name that out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be clear about that, Gabriel is one of those folks in the early splitting that had 
some controversial things to say. And, uh-huh. and one of the things that comes up a lot around fairy and some of the controversy around fairy is this idea of sexual initiation. Uh-huh. And Gabriel was, actually lived in the day where Elvira and I live. Uh-huh. There were many folks who went through initiation with Gabriel, and there have been some folks who felt like they were maybe manipulated into sexual initiation, like they felt a little bit preyed upon uh-huh. by this person. Uh-huh. Gabriel was amazingly gifted, a wonderful magician, amazingly charismatic, and uh-huh. there are uh, these other stories that he was a predator. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm not making a judgment on one side or the other because I never met him. I only know people that went – I know people who trained with him and right. went through things with him. Right, and, and have I've their own never met. And he's since passed on. Right. He's passed away. But he, he is one of the controversial characters that often comes up when you bring up fairy with someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there's – again, these are all things that people, the versions of what they – chose to do and work with are things from themselves as much as they are the spiritual practice or Mm -hmm. teachings that they were trying to work with. So, you know. In the 70s and 80s, the first big split was about money. Yeah. Many fairy people felt that charging money to learn was wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you were charging money, then you weren't being true to fairy and you were no longer a legitimate fairy practitioner. And interesting, that is something that still plagues yeah. a lot of a lot of witchcraft. Witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that to still be said. And of course, um they sought to refine workable exercises and teaching tools. They became a coven called Corisalia and then finally into Blood Rose, a teaching coven. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the largest from which fairy practitioners come from. Yeah. And, you know, or start their own. And so then you also have, and this is interesting, Draconian Pickish Elven. Yes. Which was by Brian Dragon. And later he was also an initiate of the Blood Rose. Right. Yes, there is some some writing and some said that Anderson reformed to his referred to his form of Wicca or witchcraft as the Pictic, Pictish tradition. Uh-huh. And I have to say personally, I find that to be very far-fetched because uh-huh. the, the, anything about the Picts, is, there is not anything. There isn't anything. About you them. can't find it. You can't yeah. find so it. So to say that, you know, and again, we're looking at a time in the 60s and 70s and the, and the late 50s where people were going on like a, a psychedelic journey or a journey into the astral even without the uh-huh. use of psychedelics. Uh-huh gaining all of this very powerful esoteric information and then bringing it back into the mundane world. Right. Modern pagans, those of us from the year 2017, we tend to look at that type of information with a skeptical eye. Right. We want to know the historical significance. Uh We want to know the lineage. Uh We want to know where did you gain that information from. Uh And I think not that people in the 60s were stupid, but this was all new. And they were having their minds blown, and they were having these experiences that were revolutionary, Mm -hmm. where now we're a little bit more jaded. Right. Right? And, you know, I mean, Brian took a lot of inspirational sources with Tolkien and Jim Morrison writing. Right. Right. So I'm not saying bad. I'm just saying, hey, this is, if you're getting it from there, that's great. But then those two were making their contribution on a literary process. Yeah. 
Right, so, right. You know, and then about the late 80s is when Bloodstone broke apart, quote, with scandal, unquote. And um, some of the members decided to form the Sacred Wheel. It was a loose-knit group of teachers and students um, based in the San Francisco Bay Area practicing, you know, materials that they chose to, you know, utilize and continuing, you know, using fairy and, and larger material, body materials. And obviously, from there, we go into one of the, the descendants of Sacred Wheel is, and I love this, Night Hairs, mm. which was um, from that particular Blood Rose influence. And um, again, materials by Gwydion and uh, Silver Wheel. And, but they added elements of the Tibetan and bond shamanism. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you start going into the 80s and 90s, and you have the Mandola coven, mm-hmm. and then you have um, their lineage being the Chia, which is, you know, the Anderson's official name of their, at one point, that's what they chose to call their coven. Mm-hmm. And um, basically tried to, they were an initiate. They would initiate their members first and right. then train second. Right, which is not unusual in many witchcraft traditions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some witchcraft traditions, you don't get to come to any ritual until mm-hmm. you've been initiated. Right, right. And But they, they used, their practices were very improvisational, less scripted, and, you know, used many forms of the tradition. And then we come to Anar. Anar is direct drawing directly on the Anderson's teachings, but she is also coming from an artist, author, and dancer, dancer perspective. Anar is a very well-known mm-hmm. dancer, and I want to say, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, go ahead. This is kind of neat. <laughs> uh, so Anar, so Victor, or Anderson, mm-hmm. was the grand master of fairy, mm-hmm. and then he died. Mm-hmm. And then Cora, his wife, sort of by default, was the grandmaster. Right. And Anar uh, has been very forthcoming. Anar is, like, one of the most forthcoming people I've ever met. You ask her a question, and she just says it cut and dry. Like, right. there's no there's no bullshit with Anar. I really like her. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but what Anar was noticing, because she was still spending time with Cora, and, and she was very much involved with fairy and teaching and practicing, and she was noticing that people were stealing from Cora. Like, people were starting to take little artifacts and things because they knew Cora was getting older and mm-hmm. was ill, mm-hmm. and Anar was getting really upset about it and felt very protective of Cora. Like, how can these people who say they're spiritual be stealing from our elders? Right. And Cora started to mention, I think you should be Grandmaster Anar, and Anar was like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But then she realized if she stepped into that position of power, she could maybe help Cora from being thieved again. Right, and right. And so Cora basically handed the title to Anara as Grandmaster of Fairy. Mm-hmm. Anar still retains that title. She is the Grandmaster of the Fairy tradition. Mm-hmm. So if you hear Anar say something, if, if you've read something by Anar, and Jason Minky actually, the, the blog that I was referring to a little while ago, there's a whole interview with Anar mm-hmm. in that blog, and it's great. Mm-hmm. It's you know you're getting true information because you're you're hearing from the grandmaster. Right, right, so. right. And she actually, you know, I think one of the things that was pointed out from 
the information I was getting is that um, the Grand Master is um, a spiritual responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, as opposed to a position of authority, at least that is what I think right. from what I'm reading is how people feel, but that may mean, you know, I mean, she doesn't have like the ultimate authority because right. this has got too many branches right. to be that. Right. And it's a, it's an autonomous, well, I don't know if that's the right word, but you are your own spiritual spiritual authority in this tradition, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily need someone to be the go-between for you. Between you and intercessor. Right. But right. you do want to make sure the information you're getting is legitimate. And right. And NAR is as legitimate right. as it gets. And, right. And Elvira mentioned Storm Fairy Wolf, who is another well-known teacher. And I, this is also someone that I've met and that mm-hmm. I know who is amazing and gifted and skilled mm-hmm. and teaches the fairy tradition both in person and in in a distance course. Right. So if you are interested in pursuing the fairy tradition or mm-hmm. learning more or immersing into it, I highly recommend right. following Storm Fairy Wolf and learning from him. Right. And they say that um, Anera teaches uh, is the creative force is the gateway into fairy, and she does private teaching. So at least as of this writing, that's what the situation was. And then we kind of go into a lot of smaller things. Princess Valerie Walker, mm-hmm. a member of Compost, and initiated uh, by Starhawk, and later, you know, we initiated into Night Hairs. She founded her own called, and I love this, Dust Bunnies. Yes, the Dust Bunnies, <laughs> which is still a thriving group. Yes, and teaches a blend of fairy material from different lines and in a not-for-profit setting in San Francisco. Yes. So, um and then you kind of go down to another one called Black Heart, yes. which is from, you know, both the fairy tradition as well as Third Road, which we'll talk about a little later, founded by Katrina. And she's basically in New England area and does long-distance teaching. Not Katrina Messenger? Yes. 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 And um, from the Vansar lineage, we got Fire Drake, which was Allison Harlow and her initiate, Jete Argent. And Fire Drake's... Um, Main focus, obviously, the personal union with the elemental beings, mm. relationships with the gods, connective magic of the great wet redwoods, since obviously they're teaching out of Santa Cruz, right? <laughs> which has a lot of redwoods. Um, and then we, we kind of go down to um, uh, Jenna Beachy with Shapeshifter. Yes, and she has just released a book, and she's also a pretty cool person, mm-hmm. and an excellent teacher, and uh, again, she's got um hers is very simple i think the way it was quoted here is right action creativity discipline service and laughter empowered by magic poetry and wisdom nice so she teaches in the santa cruz area and long distance and then we get to storm right and his is blue rose and it stems from the blood rose and sacred wheel and basically he says you know, that he's learned from, you know, other branches of fairy, highlighting folkloric fairy myths and practices, conjure work, which we all know means hoodoo, hoodoo. <laughs> and his own shamanic and trance experiences, what brings from, forth from his teachings. And he does do the Bay Area and long distance. So yeah. um, options if you feel so inclined. Right, and I think that... I kind of go to a couple of others, but they do talk about, it's interesting, the Third Road is a, sh- a school of fey shamanism hmm. founded by Francesca de Grandis. Yes. And 
I, you know, here's where we kind of focused on personal vision of empowerment and healing and using a largely Celtic aesthetic. Um, it's basically she feels it's a separate tradition. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's true with reclaiming, right? The yes. reclaiming tradition was influenced mm-hmm. by fairy, and there is even some crossover in in practices, mm-hmm. but they're very different. They're very different, and that's another one that was mentioned um, as yeah. well as an that. Offshoot, yeah. An offshoot, and then Morningstar was the other one by P. Thorne Coyle, mm-hmm. Coyle, and was evolutionary witchcraft is the book yeah. that she wrote. Yeah. So, I mean, considering how many offshoots, and as yeah. it was mentioned, it's like this is just a few. Right. Right. There's all those ones that now no longer consider themselves in that lineage mm-hmm. that aren't even part of that list mm-hmm. or whatever. So mm-hmm. there's a lot. There's a lot. There are. And it was interesting because, and I think I want to bring this in now because mm-hmm. part of what we'll be talking about, I think, is, you know, some of the other concepts. But the principles, and it's in one of the um, sources I, I worked on on the Internet was through this particular um, web page and it's about the fairy org, and they actually have principles that are published. Hmm. And they are the ones that broke off, and you know, after the the death in 2011, with the longstanding tensions, some of the initiates, you know, decided to form this group, hmm. and they have their own list, their own list and bylaws, bylaws, and this is published, which I thought was kind of interesting because it's 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 how do I want to put this? Uh, what we've been talking about, different things, there are a lot of variances yeah. from what we have been just discussing. Yeah. So it's, it would be very hardcore to me, hardcore and um, rigid right? in terms of how they see that. And that's not bad or good. It just is that's what they chose to put forth and make right. it the rule of the, of the land. Well, and something I'm noticing... And as we've started learning about, you know, more traditions and deciding that we're going to talk about different traditions mm-hmm. on the radio show, mm-hmm. is that there is this um, human desire mm-hmm. to share. <laughs> so we get involved in these mystery traditions where things are kept secret. Right. And then eventually there is some outlier mm-hmm. or someone who needs to challenge why this is a secret or who wants to share it with a larger amount of people. Mm-hmm. And so they share. And then you have the fallout of people who are A, shocked, B, mad, C, upset, whatever. You get all right. these these reactions. Right. And there have been lots of people along the way with the fairy tradition that shared information that other folks thought should not have been right. shared. Right. And so you run into all of the feelings around that. Yeah. Even you, you mentioned T. Thorne Coyle. She's huh? published several books, and one of them really gives a lot of detailed information about fairy practices. Mm-hmm. People were very upset about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that. That felt like revealing secrets. Right. And at some point, there is this interesting um, argument, and we I've had this argument in reclaiming mm-hmm. groups. You know, where is it, where do you advertise, hey, we're here, come learn with us, mm-hmm. and where do you keep quiet and have the student come find you? Right. And one of the things I'm really noticing is more of these old school practitioners who have been a part of these traditions since their inception, since mm-hmm. the 50s, 60s, and 70s, mm-hmm. who say, 
you don't go find the students. The students find you. And then we have those of us who really came up in the 80s or the 90s or even younger, the folks from the 2000s and, mm-hmm. and 2010, mm-hmm. who are used to the Internet, used right. to having access to information, used to being able to just type something in and find find it. Right. And you were having these growing pains mm-hmm. about mystery traditions and accessibility, and all. it's it's very interesting. Right. I don't necessarily have an opinion. Well, because you're also part of it. Right. And my opinion changes. <laughs> yeah. You know, my opinion yeah. changes. And it's fascinating because, you know, I went, we were discussing this as being one of the things we were going to put together and talk about, and I went looking in some of my hard found books that I have, and I noticed that there was a certain point where I stopped, obviously, acquiring certain books or certain things, and it was about this time where this started to really get popular, not because I wasn't interested, but because at that time I was going in a different direction, but now... I go online and I find it, yeah. or you know, I get a ebook yeah. that is you know open to that, and it was it was really kind of it, it kind of put me in a perspective of oh I'm part of the old guard you know with my old books and going back and looking through the dusty covers and all they're not so dusty anymore, um, and there's not a lot of information on this tradition in in our old books in the old books, yeah. um, but it did allow me to explore this process because obviously I am part of what goes on out in the world in our in our practice and uh, I haven't personally been introduced specifically to uh, Storm. I do know I've seen him come and go from uh, Lucky Mojo's premises of the Heritage Festival and all but I will say these are all people I'm I'm aware of and close to in, in proximity of knowing through, you know, the means I am, and I'm going, oh, another level, another yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to read this quote yes. before we take a break. Okay. So um, Aidan Kelly, who you may have heard us talk about before, and I'm not going to talk a lot about now because it will get me on a, a rant that I'm not looking about that today. <laughs> so I have a quote from him about stu- what it's like to study with me. So this is, quote, Studying with Victor presented some unusual problems. He demanded as much respect as any working-class grandfather might. One could ask for clarification, but to even hint that one disagreed with him, or worse yet, to contradict him, would result in immediate and permanent order to leave. One was tempted to ask such forbidden questions because Victor lived in mythic time and was totally uninterested in other people's concepts of logic or consistency. Another student told me that when Victor read a new book and believed it, and he believed it was true, then he considered it to have always been true, and he would rethink his history accordingly, unquote. So here we see a man whose mythos and practice and ideal changing and shifting as he learns and grows and develops. So no wonder people were all learning different things from him at different times because his teachings changed as he developed, mm-hmm. right, which could be exceptionally frustrating and fascinatingly fluid. Right. Anyway. And I think with that, we will give us a break. We'll be back. You're listening to 
to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned, as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Candela's Corner with Candela Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays, 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays, 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige the Firyu, Wednesdays, 3 to 4.30. Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays, 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays, 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays, 5 to 7. All Times Pacific, Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Holy moly, we're back. Yeah, I know. We keep saying that, which kind of surprises me. <laughs> so I think um, we might want to say a f- just a little bit before we get into some of what you've, you know, talked about and uh, you were going to go for. Yeah. Is that the fairy tradition, at least the way that I'm seeing it here, it says it's a sorceress, mm. a sor- sorceress. Mm-hmm. Practice seeking to make changes in both the individual and the material world. Yeah, from you know more temporal, you know, for spiritual for spiritual transformation and less temporal. Yeah, which would explain why again what we just saw here, which you left us at break with, mm-hmm. is that he would read things and it would change how he sees things. Right. It's not um, got that. Linear structure, right? It's, it's not set in stone. It's not set in stone. Mm-hmm. So I can see how that is part of it, but it's also about the energies that yeah. it works with. And this will lead into what you're going to say and talk about is that it is very powerful in the the energies you contact. Right. One of the things that when I studied with R.J. Stewart and his fairy tradition and some of the other things that he did. Um, he talked about them being incredibly big beings, that, you know, what you did was it wasn't these small, fluffy things. Mm-hmm. And being that powerful and that intense, you needed to be really um, grounded and you needed to have good mentors and teachers, as Phoenix has said. Right. And, I mean, we're talking about such things like the guardians of the fairy tradition, the celestial intelligences of tremendous power, who came to us from beyond the stars to teach humankind the arts of magic. This is a quote-unquote from uh, Storm's mm-hmm. website. And when you think about those kinds of powers, they're right. not little itty-bitty, you know, fluffy bunny things, even though Dust Bunnies was one of their names. <laughs> so I would take it with a lot of, I mean, and if you're, this goes into something else, how balanced are you when you start? Yes. Right. This is my experience. And again, I'm not initiated in fairy, but there are a lot of reclaiming folks who are reclaiming initiates and fairy initiates. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of teachers 
there are a lot of my personal mentors and my initiators in uh-huh. recruiting who are connected to fairy. Uh-huh. So this is not my tradition, however. I have seen a lot of folks go into this tradition. And what I would say is, and Anar says this in some of her writings, the Grandmaster, you need to have a teacher. Fairy is not something to dabble in. It's not something to take on lightly. This is, it's big energy. It's um, its intense. And if you are not working with a teacher and you're not being honest and you're not doing your daily practice and you're not staying on top of these things, you know, this is one of those traditions that can kind of send you into a, a dark place. There, we talk about with initiation Back in the old days, our ancestors, when they initiated a priestess of Avalon or whatever, she would be sent out into the swamps and she had to find her way back. And, mm-hmm. she, and many priestesses died. And Okay, we don't know if any of this is true. However, initiation is dying to one thing and being reborn to another. It is not something to take lightly. Right. And moving into the fairy tradition, and I say this as someone who has witnessed this, with the fairy tradition more than any other tradition of folks that I know that are practicing, Mm -hmm. fairy is one that sends people into a very interesting road. Mm -hmm. And if you are not solid and you are not ready, it will not be good. Mm -hmm. So working with someone who is experienced, working with a a teacher who's legitimate and is helping you and guiding you and not just giving you information and then kicking you on your way, that is not the way fairy works. Mm -hmm. It is it is not energy to be taken lightly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a tradition to dabble in. No, no, and yeah. that's why I wanted to bring that up because, um, you know, there are other traditions and other paths that you can follow to get your grounding mm-hmm. and to get some kind of base, like a foundation, right. to be able to then move to the level of something as larger or bigger. It's that I know we get into something, it's exciting, It's it's got some incredible feelings that you pull up, and then suddenly you get spun. Right. And that's why I really... In reading about this, and obviously you have more personal knowledge with people you know, it's really important. Yeah. And one of the things about fairy is a lot of the work is stepping into your own God self and recognizing yourself as God, as God. Mm -hmm. And so this is, they often refer to this as like a Luciferian energy because that's one of the things about Lucifer. Lucifer is, in in the fairy tradition, is the light bringer. Mm -hmm. He's the one that helps you to see where the shadows are Uh and facing your shadows and working with your shadows Uh and beloveds and recognizing that you are God. Therefore I am God. Therefore I can't tell you what to do. You're God. You tell yourself what to do. Uh You make the rules, right? So you can see how that could become corrupted very easily. If you are not working from a place of wholeness, Mm-hmm. If you are not working from a place of healthiness, mm-hmm. where you are aware of your shadows, where you are aware of those places that maybe you need to do a little bit of healing or shamanic retrieval or whatever, mm-hmm. this could be really intense. Mm-hmm. This could be really difficult. This could take you to a dark place if you're not being spiritually clear and clean in right. practice. Right. And we need to make another one of those disclaimers. The word shamanic and shamanism is is consistently used throughout this particular, at least as far as the descriptions, a lot of them. And 
again, cultural appropriation. This is, you know, you cannot have a shaman if it is not from Siberia to be structure and, you know, right in that lineage. So we have to realize that that, too, yes, is something that has yes. been taken. And I use the word shaman as ease of, of understanding and not as a literal Right. Yes. Right. But something that Anar said, because mm-hmm. you had asked point blank, you know, what, can you sum up the fairy tradition? So I just want to, I'm going to read a little bit about how she describes fairy. She mm-hmm. says it's a sexual tradition, which doesn't really employ a lot of physical sexual practices. It's an ecstatic tradition. We are sensual people. Our rites and practices aren't all about the sexual act itself. It's the energy of the tradition. In my practice with the Andersons, we never followed the basic Wiccan script. Ritual as practice in the Anderson home was very different, very homespun, no calling of the guardians. Sometimes we circled. Victor described the reason for casting a circle is to create a lens. The gods are looking through a microscope, and we are looking through a telescope. If we can turn the lens, it makes it easier for us to reach the gods. And i got to say, I fucking love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that idea that the gods are looking at us through a, tele- a microscope and we're looking at them through a telescope. Mm-hmm. And if you could just flip that lens, how different the world looks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it, it, it hits me in the way of saying when we talk about having the spark of creation mm-hmm. and we are co-creators, right. you know, the whole point is, is that, that it's a partnership, right? And she goes on to talk about how, you know, how do you know that you're in a fairy ritual or how does it feel to be in a fairy ritual? And she said, you'll know it's a fairy ritual if your spine tingles, if your head starts buzzing, or you get a great surge of sexual energy. If you get turned on, it's fairy, no matter the structure of the ritual. It's fairy if you find intense sexual energy running through your body. And another thing that I found Mm -hmm. over and over in the writing about fairy is that all gods are fairy gods. Mm-hmm. All the gods are fairy gods. Even though you can read very specific names, very mm-hmm. specific gods, the star goddess, the peacock god, you know, mm-hmm. they have very specific gods that they work with. Mm-hmm. But it, it, any of the gods in the world are fairy gods because there is this energy mm-hmm. nature. Mm-hmm. And fairy is what you tap into and connect to that energy signature, hmm. which it makes sense to me. It's uh-huh. not necessarily my cup of tea, but it totally makes sense right, to me. Right, right. And if you're using the word fairy as a way to describe the big energy and what those big energies are personified as or hold as um, the containers, mm-hmm. then I could see that. You know, it's it's just... It's the version you choose to have, and yes, it's the big version. Right, mm-hmm. right. And again, you can see it containing that energy, letting that energy run through your body, mm-hmm. connecting to that energy. Mm-hmm. This is not light magic. This is intense. This, mm-hmm. And, and I've, I don't know if this is a real quote, but I've heard this many, many times, that one of the things Victor said was, um, white magic is poetry. And black magic is anything that works. Hmm. And I don't know if that's true, if that's a true quote, mm-hmm. but I've heard it enough times mm-hmm. that it's, it's given to him. Right. Right? Right. So there is an intensity to this energy. And if you're not, if you don't have clean practices, if you don't have clean boundaries, mm-hmm. if you don't have clean daily work in your life, mm-hmm. running that kind of energy through you could really 
knock you off your rocker. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that is a uh, that is what I think we when we start looking at these things. That was probably why the being drawn to other things. I found ways to connect with energies mm-hmm. that were not of that nature, not because I wasn't strong and not because I wasn't, you know, willing to do the work or anything. It wasn't speaking to me. Right. But I certainly honor and appreciate the uh, the people and the, the traditions. Yeah. I just think that it's something to, it's why hermetic traditions, you know, I mean, I always thought it was really great and wonderful and all that, but it was never, it was just, there were just too many things that were yes and no's, and yet you mm-hmm. couldn't go and beyond this, and you couldn't, not because I didn't believe it, it was that it was, that wasn't how I felt I needed right. or wanted to connect with that spiritual energy. Right. So. Right, and that's something else that this this blog post is that it's never an either or, it's an either and. Uh-huh. And that you know the, this idea of paradox and always and there it's always a yes you know that this this concept around energy life is not right and wrong it's not black and white it's not male and female it's all mm-hmm. and that is that's a you know that that way of looking at the world makes a lot of sense to me because I don't see things in black and white it's not it's impossible to have things be that cut and dry in my opinion right right so I really do understand that concept. And they work a lot. Um, so the star goddess is sort of the supreme mm-hmm. goddess of the fairy faith. Mm-hmm. And if you see, I often think of the star goddess as like Newt of the mm-hmm. Egyptian mm-hmm. pantheon. And, and she looked at her reflection in the black mirror of space and fell in love mm-hmm. and made love to herself and then gave birth to all the gods, mm-hmm. right? Which is mm-hmm. a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. And two of those gods are the divine twins. Right. And the divine twins represent that paradox. Mm-hmm. Male and female, black and white, except they're not really twins. They're one. Mm-hmm. They're not one or the other. They're both, mm-hmm. right? So it's this, it's this paradoxical energy, mm-hmm. which I also think when you get deeper into those traditions that sort of have a little bit more set practice, a little right. bit more structure, mm-hmm. you find this concept mm-hmm. of paradox. Mm-hmm. Usually it's not what you learn in the introduction. It's what you learn further down in right. training. Right. But it's always a yes and, and mm-hmm. that, that paradoxical two things at mm-hmm. once, mm-hmm. you know. Which to me, if I take that out of the the practice we're talking about and I look out at the world and I say, is that not the best way mm-hmm. to look at what is going on? in your life every day, right? the and and both, how do you make something come to, I mean, for lack of a better term, we've called it mediation, mm-hmm. how do you find the win-win, right. you know, which is really what it's about, is you know, I win, you get stomped on and devastated, right. which right. is the either or black and white polarity duality. Yeah. yeah. So um, I can see the bigger picture here, but again, looking at it, I'm going, yes, and, as we're going to use that word, you need a strong container, which is you. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And one of the things Victor would say was, you are a god now. You are a god now. Own that. Mm -hmm. That's intense. Mm -hmm. Stepping into your god self, and this is something that I feel like is part of my 
by practice, and it's something we do a lot in reclaiming, is, is stepping into our full self, stepping mm-hmm. into our, our being a whole being. Mm-hmm. And this is many spiritual traditions, not just pagan. Right. Many spiritual traditions are about stepping into wholeness. Exactly. But when you say wholeness is that you are a god, how fucking powerful is that? Yes. And here's where you get into the other side of it is that when you say that, Mm -hmm. then those structured religions and belief systems that put the God or the divine outside of you, then what you're dealing with is heresy. Mm. But that's not the appropriate way that people in this tradition see it. But I can see how threatening... That process is in any of our traditions that we are talking about in witchcraft and, you know, the pagan and Wiccan and yeah. alternate point of reference. Absolutely. It's that self-empowerment of that. Um, and I think we've um, we've got an interesting tradition that, as I say, I found fascinating. And I did. It's funny because when I started reading this, and I'm going, the Iron Pentacle. I remember hearing. Yeah. <laughs> it was very interesting for me. It was like a little discovery of another, another way the traditions have been birthed mm-hmm. and raised. Right. In that sense, right. you know, they're children of another set of parents mm-hmm. that come forward, that come down, come down into the present. Right. And I think that would be how I would look at what Victor and Cora did without getting, you know, into an issue of who they took things from is that it may be different parents that come with children that come together that then become different things in the world. If we were all looking like each other or it was all the same, yeah, it would certainly be boring. True, true. And some of the, you know, you mentioned Iron Pentacle. That's a, the Iron Pentacle is a tool, mm-hmm. right? And we work with the Iron Pentacle in reclaiming mm-hmm. my my main tradition. And there's also the Pearl Pentacle, mm-hmm. and that's another tool. Uh, and the and then one of the concepts that they work a lot with in fairy is this triple soul, mm-hmm. which is the triple soul. The idea of a triple soul is in many traditions. Mm-hmm. So when I learned about the triple soul from a fairy perspective, I already had my own practice working with the triple soul mm-hmm. that was very different, and it's very Jungian, mm-hmm. the idea of yeah. the, the id, the ego, and the superego, right? right? That, right. that uh, primal voice, that primal self, that or our child self, mm-hmm. our talking self, or our consciousness, and then the, our God self, or our subconscious, mm-hmm. or super conscious, right? Yeah. So these are... These are esoteric concepts that are ancient, mm-hmm. that uh, come from uh, cultures all over the world. Right. Right. So that is one of the, the big things in fairy is working with that triple mm-hmm. soul and aligning those three mm-hmm. energy centers, mm-hmm. those three pieces of ourselves. Right. Which, yeah. if you think about it, becomes, again, the balance. Yeah. Right. Become a balanced being. Right. So, you know, we've stuff. If you feel like fairy is interesting, there is a lot of information online. If you're mm-hmm. thinking that you want to learn about the fairy tradition, then what is suggested over and over again is find a teacher. Mm-hmm. Find a teacher, find a teacher. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of resources online. And right. Personally, I, I do recommend Storm Fairy Wolf because I know him and I know that he's a good, upstanding, reputable dude. Right. 
I can't right. speak for all of the folks out there teaching fairy, but that's what I would say. And he actually released a book this year, mm-hmm. Storm did. I just remember that, called yep. Twixt and Between. Right. And it is about fairy, so mm-hmm. he's worth checking out if this is something that feels like a path you are interested right. in following. Right. So there you go. Try la la And there we are. And that was fast. That was. We go by very fast. Yes. And next week we're doing summer solstice. Summer solstice. Yay! And also, coming up a month from now, when we uh, return from our travels on July 21st, our show, our first live show back from being away, mm-hmm. we're going to go to our Ask a Witch segment. Oh, goody. So if you have a question you would like us to banter about, if you have, <laughs> if you've always wanted to ask a witch an inappropriate or rude question, go for it. We're happy to answer it. <laughs> so if you go to our website, which is witchpriestesscauldron.com, there is a page called Ask a Witch, and mm-hmm. you can type in your name and your question and we will banter about it, or we'll do a reading for you. We'll also do free readings if yep. you want us to do a reading. Just know it won't happen until July 21st. That's true. That's true. And we'll mention that again next week. Yes, we will. Yeah. And on that note, may it be so that we have a wonderful week. Yes. See thee again on the radio. Anon. Anon. Good night. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.